Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. This episode of the Radiant Podcast is brought to you by Avocado Green Mattresses. Comfort, luxury, all natural, affordability. Need I say more? I don't know about you, but I am loving my mattress, and that's because it's from Avocado. I definitely encourage you guys to check them out. I've linked them up in the show notes. Hey guys, I am so excited to be back with you finally after a few weeks break here at the Radiant Podcast. Um, if you hadn't noticed, we had some big changes with Radiant Collective and Radiant Magazine, and we did decide to close the doors. It was a huge decision, and it came with lots of prayer, some great counseling sessions, lots of conversation. And so for me, if you know me, that's a huge decision, and laying down a dream is hard. Um, It was the real deal this past month, but it also couldn't have come with more peace and from a healthier place. I've done a ton of mindset work this year and God has worked so much in my heart to lead up to this point and to be able to make this decision in such a healthy way. So what that means is you will find all the Radiant Podcast information at my personal website, KelseyChapman.com. Right now, the website's a little all over the place, but it's going to have a totally new look here in the next month or so, so stay tuned for that. And you can find the Radiant Podcast here as normal. You will find conversations with inspiring people doing impactful work, and the show goes on. So I'm so excited to still keep up with you, to still be able to do this alongside you, and to hear these amazing nuggets of wisdom from our guest each and every week, because it is one of the highlights of my week. This week, we have Rachel Joy joining us of the Sparrow Conference. She is the founder and the director. Um, The Sparrow Conference started as a gathering of women in her living room and has grown and evolved into what it is today, which is amazing. I am fascinated by people who were faithful when something was small and doesn't always love you back. It can be hard in those early days, I know. Um, And I am so excited to be able to share her wisdom with you guys because being faithful with the little stuff always leads to um, being trusted with the big stuff. So I know you guys are going to find this conversation impactful and encouraging, and I can't wait to dive in. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Kelsey. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so excited you're here. I am so excited to be here. I can't wait to chat. I I cannot wait to kind of hear your story and all about what you do. And for our listeners, Rachel um, leads the Sparrow Conference. So I would love for you to kind of dive in and tell us about yourself, how you got started, how you got to where you are and how Sparrow came to life. Yes. So um, just a little bit about me. Um, I live here in Dallas, Texas. We live in the suburbs uh, of Dallas and my husband's a pastor at the Village Church. Um, We have four kids. They range from nine all the way down to eight months. And so our lives are super crazy busy. Um, Love to teach the Bible. Um, I love young women. I love to... um, 
see them uh, understand and grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And so um, it's been a joy of my life to kind of have these building blocks towards Sparrow Conference. Um, Sparrow actually started really organically. It's kind of a funny story. People are always like, okay, did you have Sparrow in mind? You know, was that the end goal? And really, I... um, I was talking to my husband one day. Um, I had been traveling around, um, teaching at different places. Then we had kids. And um, so as as you have kids, you know, things tend to slow down a bit, <laughs> as they probably should, because having kids is no joke. I mean, it is crazy fun, but it is crazy and fun. So... <laughs> Anyway, just want to be honest about that. Um, Love our life with our four babies. But it's anyway, at the time, I only had two and I just wanted to be faithful. I just um, I wanted to um, love on younger women. I had this heart to see them, like I said, grow in the knowledge of Jesus, who he is, what his word says, and what we're to do with that. Um, I saw a lot of young women um, at our church or in different organizations kind of struggle to know who they were um, and their purpose here. And so um, I just wanted to be faithful. So I started a, a little Bible study in my home. I invited five girls uh, to join me and we were going to go through Kelly Minter's uh, No Other God study. If you have not done that study, they're actually about to re-release it. Um, It is absolutely incredible. It talks about um, just the idols um, that we kind of succumb to throughout life um, and what those idols are rooted in. So um, anyway, so all that to say is, I invited five girls and, um, on the first night, well, actually probably the second or third night, uh, 20, almost 25 women ended up showing to this, uh, showing up to this Bible study. And, um, you know, girls, they invite, they want friends and, um, the, the group was su- was super unique. Um, and the reason it caught me off guard and I'll explain all this, but the area of Dallas that we live in, um, is a suburb. It's um, about 45 minutes North of Dallas and, um, it's predominantly, uh, Caucasian, uh, it's, it's just Caucasian, uh, influenced. Right. And so, right. um, when we, <laughs> so I invite these girls to the group and, um, who walked into my home did not look like the suburb that I live in. Um, it was beautifully diverse, um, beautifully diverse socioeconomically, uh, ethnically, um, just background. It was beautiful. And it caught me off guard because of where we live. And, um, I've always had a heart for racial reconciliation. And so, and that is something that I have prayed for is that we would have deep relationships with women who do not look like us. Um, and so <laughs> when these women walked in my house, I was like, oh, Lord, I see it. I see it. I see what you're doing. I knew he was doing something different. I knew that he was doing something powerful. And so um, we start studying the scriptures. And as you know, when you start studying God's word, 
Um, it says that it will, it divides the heart and um, it sharpens us. And so we started looking at our past and all the things that we had accumulated over our past. Um, just the hard, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, and maybe how we were carrying those things from our past into our present and into our future um, and how there was no freedom there. So I know that once we know the Lord, that he, Christ has come to set us free. Uh, It is for freedom that Christ is set us free. And so uh, we realized very quickly that um, we might be worshiping other things besides God. We might be worshiping um, how we look. Um, We might be uh, coping with um, just, you know, we all cope in different ways from things that have happened in our past. And if we haven't dealt with those, if we haven't uh, been free from those things, then uh, we walk into our present and our future, um, not living the way that God would have us live. And so long story short is we start experiencing some really cool freedom and um, just learning what it looks like to have, uh, be confident and rooted um, in who God has us to be. Uh, and so not being swayed by the world, but just being a, just a strong, confident woman and not confidence and like overly confident. Oh, I am so awesome, but confident in God, God is who he says he is. And because he is who he says he is, I am who he says I am. I am a daughter of the King of all creation. And so, uh, what we thought about is we, I started talking to a lot of the girls about what if we were to take some of these things and um, some of these concepts and build a meeting place, a gathering place for other young women to experience truth, freedom, identity, and purpose, God-given purpose. And so our first conference was actually, it was birthed out of that group. Um, and it uh, started in Denton, Texas, at the University of North Texas. Um, my brother went to school there. So uh, the University of North Texas, it's not far from me. It's about 20 minutes up the road. And um, I started just studying. I think if you're going to do something powerful, uh, whether that be in business or ministry, you have to do your research. You have to be a student of the people that you're trying to reach. And so for the longest time, I would just ask a lot of questions of the women at UNT. A lot of questions of, okay, well, why do groups do this? What is, uh, why, why are women leaving the church? Uh, what are you gravitated toward? Um, how do you worship God? What is, I mean, just literally a student of these women And so Sparrow Conference birthed out of that. And uh, we had our first conference up there in uh, 2012. And then since then, we just had our fifth conference. We've since moved to Dallas. We serve over 10 colleges, over 50 churches. We have women from all over the country come now down to Dallas for a weekend uh, where we we just get busy. We study a whole book of the Bible in one weekend, and it is... It is incredible and um, just deep and and vulnerable and it is messy at times because you're dealing with uh, just your identity and uh, but it's like a community. We we say we're a family at Sparrow. Uh, it's become a family reunion down here in Dallas. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and you are currently writing First John for 
Sparrow Conference next April, right? Yes. So each year we go over uh, one book of the Bible and what we do, because our speakers speak over different parts uh, of the book of the Bible. So last year we went through the book of James. And so we exegetically, which means line by line, we go through those scriptures. Um, And so we want to dive deep and we believe we do that. We are, we want to create biblical literacy. Um, So what we're kind of battling is, and I'm, I'm tempted to do this. I think a lot of young women are tempted to do this, but we want to go on Instagram or an app real quick. And we want to, we want to have an Instagram Bible moment. We want to be in. (laughs) Am I right? Yes. People do it. We want to be inspired in a moment and we want to read our Bibles that way. And really to, to have like, to really know who God is, you have to read scripture in its entirety. It is an entire story. The Bible is an entire one story of God's uh, redemption plan. And so what we do is we take a book of the Bible and we study it in its entirety. So because our speakers can't possibly in one weekend uh, teach over every little thing in the scriptures, we provide them with a supplemental study. And so right now, um, a group of us from Sparrow Conference are writing the First John study, and it's an inductive study. It's one day, uh, one day a week, or sorry, excuse me, um, one page for each day of the week, um, and it lasts about 40 days after the conference, and girls gather together in homes, and they take an even deeper dive into the scriptures Um, I think what young women crave most is depth and vulnerability. And, um, and so that's what we hope to give them is we want to be vulnerable with where we're at in life. And we want to provide depth in the scriptures, um, because, because we believe that is, um, what God would have us do. So absolutely. And I love that because I think we live kind of in a time when everyone has an voice, has a voice and everyone has a platform to project their voice. Do you see, you know, it being a problem where because people have these platforms, you know, little T truth, subjective truth is all of a sudden projected as objective truth, capital T. And it's opinion does not necessarily mean it's true. Um, and that has been a huge challenge for me this year, maybe because it's one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone presents their opinion, but it doesn't really line up. And it's like, well, that's a nice opinion, but it's not the truth. I think we're all looking for, um, yeah, we're all looking for truth. And we have our own truth. Our friends have their own truth. Um, What's dangerous, like you said, about that is um, it's not a firm foundation. It's not, it's, um, it truly is slippery sand. And what we need to do is go back to um, the big T truth of this is what the Bible says. And we hold everything up to it Um, because we know that these are, um, and the inerrant word of God. We know that God breathed out the scripture through men. And so because of this, we're able to hold up our opinions and our truths, because let's be honest, my opinion can change in a second. I mean, I, 
I am one of those, I'm a dreamer. I love to dream. And so I love to collaborate with people. And so people's opinions, I often work with people's opinions day in and day out. If I have no firm foundation, if I have no, then I'm just being tossed to and fro by the waves of doubt and fear. And especially, which is my struggle to be honest, here I go on a podcast, a national podcast. Let me be vulnerable with you. Um, One of my biggest challenges is that I am, I'm an approval junkie. I want people to approve of what I'm doing. And I care so much about what people think um, that sometimes I'm, um, I'm easily swayable or I can operate out of fear, fear of man. And, um, and then of course there are moments of confidence, but the only confidence that I have is from God and from the firm foundation of this is what the Bible says. Everything I do, I filter through the Bible. I filter through God's word. Um, it's helpful to have just that firm rooted. This is what I hold everything else up against, you know? I love that you touched on that because (laughs) that too is my struggle. And I feel like God has really, I I think it is a God ordained season that I'm in, but it has been a really challenging year for me because I think I've um, allowed sometimes some people's voices that I care about that to influence and sway me in a way that um, I didn't understand the effect it was having on me. So I think it took me six months to recognize, I don't think that lines up. Mm-hmm. And then it took me another six months to really come to terms with, I need to be brave. I think God is challenging me to own what I believe and align myself with truth, even when that puts me as the odd man out and not being approved. And that has been really hard. Yes. Yeah. It's hard. I think the older that we get, the more um, we realize, well, first off, we grow in the knowledge of who God is, but we also grow in the knowledge of who he desires us to be. And I do think there are those conflicting moments of, ooh, this hits me kind of funny because what I want to do is people, please, I want to do what the world tells me to do Um, because it sometimes seems easier. But what we don't realize is that when we abide in him, when we abide in him and we actually move forward in the ways that he wants us to, there is freedom there. There is freedom. And that is what we have to be after is being um, free from this world and the chains that kind of that link us back in, you know, um, Christ has set us free. So we don't need to keep going back. You know, that scripture that everyone quotes, like a dog going back to its vomit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh man, that is grotesque, but it's true because when we, um, continue, I, I just am reminded of that, uh, when I seek approval, I am continually going back to a source that cannot satisfy me. The men uh, and women that surround me, I love them. But ultimately, if I look for my identity in them, it, it will only end poorly because they cannot satisfy that desire in me to be approved of. The only thing that can satisfy that is the Lord because it really, truly, um, in Christ, He has He has approved of me through, God has approved of me through Christ. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus. 
perfect before him. And, um, I think once we grasp that and are rooted in that, we can be free. But I, I have struggled in the same way that you have for years. Um, just wanting, I think sometimes we don't really know who we are. You know, we don't, I sit across from women over and over again and I'll always ask the question, okay, so what does God's word say? And then how to, who does that make you? And a lot of times it's that, it's that thought. I see this kind of deer in a headlights look like, oh man, I'm not sure of who I am. And then, so you want to start there, right? You want to start like teasing out, okay, who am I? Okay. Do I fit in? Okay. I'm a writer and I'm a teacher or I'm, I'm the smart one. We want to put labels on ourselves, you know, like we all, we want to put labels on ourselves, especially in this day of like social media, we want to put labels on ourselves in that little short little bio up by our picture. (laughs) Like I'm a blogger. I'm a this, I'm a that, you know? And then what's funny about that is that God's like, no, no sweet child, like know who I am. And then I will, I will tell you who you are. And if you do that study of all that God says that we, that we are, it is humbling. It is humbling to look and be like, man, I am chosen. I'm a part of a Royal priesthood. I am a daughter of the King. And so some of those things are just freeing to know, okay, I can be comfortable in my own skin because the God of the universe gave it to me, you know? Anyway, gosh, girl, I'm chatty today. Hey, I'm loving it. You are speaking to me because I needed this. It is it is so uncomfortable to know when someone doesn't approve of you and to walk forward in your calling and your purpose anyways. And so I think we all struggle with that. And I think our listeners can absolutely relate. So thank you for shedding light on it. So how do you practically like lead Sparrow? You're leading a team of people. Everyone has different opinions. Um, even, even people that you love dearly and serve on your team. I mean, there's no way every single person on every single team of ministry everywhere is going to line up on every nitty gritty topic. So how do you hold true to the vision God has given you for Sparrow um, when someone in leading a team of people? Yes. So um, what we do is we have our mission statement Everything runs through our mission statement. Everything. Um, It's kind of like when you have the Bible you run through. In our mission statement, we've gathered items from the Bible and we've put it, that's what we're after. So our mission statement at Sparrow Conference is to unify and catalyze a movement of diverse young adult women to wholeheartedly pursue Jesus Christ and participate in the advancement of the gospel. So if, if something outside, if it doesn't fit our mission statement, then it's kind of a null and void. We just are like, nope, we're not, nope, this is what God's called us to. And we're, we're basically going to put blinders on until God tells us otherwise, you know, to edit our mission statement. But right now, this is what we're going to do. Um, so we have, um, a lead team right now of about eight people and we meet and, um, we basically, it's our, it's our main hub. We decide everything uh, through that. And what I've learned over the years is, I am not gifted at everything. (laughs) Uh, I have these niche giftings 
And you know what else? My, my mark, our marketing um, director, Macy English, she has very specific, crazy giftings. Natalie Patterson, very crazy, specific giftings. Elizabeth Woodson, the same thing, very specific giftings. And so what we do is on our team, we have learned to operate in such a way where we know one another's giftings. But what's most important is we know what we're not good at. We know what we're not. um, I know I am very aware and my team is very aware of where I fall short. So we don't use that against one another, but we use it in a way that um, we're vulnerable with one another. And I'm, I'm very, I know that I'm the leader of this, but I'm very willing to say I'm a leader with a limp meaning I'm not the perfect leader. So I'm very aware that these areas, like, girl, I am not gifted at marketing. That is not my thing. It's not my, it's not my wheelhouse. And to be honest with you, I just, I just don't think about it. Yeah. She's crazy. She's, I know her. She's great. I forgot y'all probably met. Yes. She's awesome. Yes. She's amazing. She's amazing. And so anyway, she has a wheelhouse all her own. And so I lean on her in that. I, we all have to come to a place where we are willing to say, um, I'm not perfect. This is my wheelhouse, but that's her wheelhouse. And so we're going to lean on each other and we're going to grow together as, as people, as women that are chasing after the same thing. So, um, we have had, you know, uh, some conflicting things, of course, on our team, of course. Um, but the best thing that to, to be honest, I've had one of the girls on our team, she just, um, and she sharpens me. She challenges me um, to to continually educate myself. And so, uh, specifically on the issue issue of uh, racial reconciliation. So, one of our values at Sparrow is we want to have diverse women at our conference, and we want to talk about the things that nobody's talking about. Um, we want to go ahead and put it out there. Um, and we want to lay that, that issue of uh, reconciliation, diversity, and tension over scripture. What is, what do the scriptures say about it? And so Elizabeth on our team has been instrumental in sharpening me, um, and pushing me in areas where, um, You know, sometimes you think, oh, I know what the scriptures say about that. I know how this looks and feels. Man, she challenges me to be like, okay, well, think about this people group. Think about how how this conversation makes these people feel. And so um, we're constantly uh, pushing one another. But what I love about it is number one, we're not afraid of each other. We're not afraid of each other. But then we're, we're humble. Like we try to be humble in approaching someone that does not think, act, and look like us. And so um, we really, I, I know that sounds funny. We try to be humble, but truly we try to see it from every angle um, because ultimately we're after the same thing. So I can't, I can't get offended because these women, we're in this, we're in the trenches and we're going after the same thing. So they know that they know what we want to do. So we sharpen each other to get there. Um, I love that. Yeah, for sure. I, I am very for healthy 
discussions that really sharpen one another if you can do them in an honorable way, which, you know, sometimes variables are introduced. You can't always control how someone responds to you, but yeah. One thing that our, um, we were talking about this the other day uh, with one of my team members. Uh, we were talking about how in our day and age, sometimes we're like, okay, you know, you have a disagreement and then sometimes it's just easier not to say anything and just keep going, you know? Um, but what we've learned, what works for our team is always saying something. You might not know what to say. Like if you've had a conflict, you might not know what to say, but it's always best to say something, acknowledge it, just acknowledge, Hey, that was a really tough conversation. And, um, what can I do? Like, how can we work through this? But always say something because when you don't say something, man, as women, don't we fill in the blanks? We fill in the blanks for like, well, she probably thinks this, or she probably does this, which is really unhelpful on our end, really unhelpful for the other person. It's always best to say something and it's going to be messy. People, life is messy. People are messy. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so I just have always found it's better just to say something. And it is uncomfortable. It's not comfortable to disagree. (laughs) But again, like if you'll go there, if you will go there and be willing to get in the trenches with the people you're leading alongside, it's going to be all around better. And we're always like, doing personal development to communicate better and, you know, huge fans of the Enneagram in particular, because you you don't know about missed expectations until they're missed (laughs) a lot of the time. And so um, that's been really helpful for our team. And I I can't speak highly enough about just learning one another and giving each other grace and compassion to see something differently than you, but also utilizing those conversations to sharpen one another. Absolutely. Man, I, I could just chat with you all day long. So I would love for you to ch- share more about your heart for racial reconciliation. That's really important to me. I mean, you can get me on a soapbox real quick on that topic. So I would love for you to share your heart there because I think that's incredible. Yes. Um, well, we know, we know that there will be a day when all of us are worshiping the Lord, uh, those of us who are in Christ, right? In Revelation 7, 9, we're all going to be up there in every tribe, tribe, tongue, and nation is what Revelation says. And um, God's heart is unity among his people, unity um, um, in the church. And so I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of young women, um, they're about 80% that are, Um, hightailing it out as fast as they can from the local church. (laughs) And 66% of those women are um, saying they're deconverts, meaning they don't want any association with God, with Jesus, with any of that. They don't want any of that. And um, I think some of that comes from just um, maybe the church turning in on itself, pointing the finger at one another um, instead of being like an export church, looking outside and and desiring to bring people in. Um, And so I say all that to say, because a lot of times like old school church. So I grew up in church. um, I didn't know the Lord until I was probably in middle school. I I actually um, came to know Jesus 
uh, on a mission trip in Mexico, uh, God used just uh, working with uh, orphans that did not speak English, but they were worshiping God. And I realized by them worshiping God, I did not know God. I, I mean, like straight up, I was like, I don't look like them. I don't act like them. I don't. But it's like God had to take me out of my church atmosphere to to speak to me. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes the church, old school church, we sometimes we steer away from really hard things. Sometimes we don't want to talk about um, really difficult issues. And uh, so with that being said, uh, if you don't talk about it, then there's a lot of hurt there, right? Um, and so racial reconciliation is a huge piece um, it's, if you turn on the news, if you're opening up your CNN app, you are, you are put like right in the middle of racial tension, especially last summer here in Dallas, we had a lot of that with the shootings and, um, it just, uh, all that to say is at Sparrow, we want to talk about it. We want to talk about the hard things. And just because you did not experience that or you haven't experienced something um, doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yes. I mean, mantra of the year. Yes, 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 yes. Um, we actually, we had a racial reconciliation panel at Sparrow and one of the women said something to the likeness of that. And I thought it was wonderful because, um, we have to get to a place where we can sit across from someone that does not look like us, did not, does not have the background that we have, look at them and hear them like truly, truly, truly hear them, understand and empathize with them. Um, that, that maybe their story is not our own. Um, and we can choose to live in a bubble. We can choose to kind of see, oh, you know, yeah, that's for them, but that's not my life. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's how God calls us to live. I, I really, he says in Corinthians that we are, we are reconcilers, that he has given us the message of reconciliation. And so just as we've been reconciled to God, he wants us to take that message out, uh, to take that gospel message out. And a part of that is being reconciled to our brothers and sisters who do not look like us, who do not act like us, who do not have our the same stories as we do, and to love and appreciate one another. And honestly, to, um, to, to fight for justice. I mean, for these men and women who... Um, God sees the poor and the, and the, and the meek. He sees all of those people and, um, the downtrodden, maybe the weary he's God sees that. And so why, why are we so prone to just stay in our own bubbles and our own boxes? Um, we're reconcilers. So we're to go to those who are heavy laden. We are to bear the burden with them. And, um, so anyway, we, I am a part of a group of women, here in um, Flower Mound, Highland Village area. And we meet together and um, we're a diverse group and we talk about the hard issues and um, we try to see it from each other's perspectives. And it has been so life-giving. It has opened my eyes uh, to so much. It has opened my eyes to the privileges that I've had because of my skin color. Um, it has opened my eyes to um, just some really difficult things that I 
I just had no frame of reference for. And so because of that, um, we continually will talk about the issues at hand at Sparrow. Um, so racial reconciliation isn't one of the it's not the only issue we talk about, but I tell you what, uh, we're, we're in it for the long haul, um, with racial reconciliation because we believe that God's heart is for unity in the is, is the group you meet with part of a sparrow, uh, ministry or another ministry? No, actually it's just, I know this sounds funny. It's just a group of us that wanted to get together to talk about it. We're friends. So we're, we're friends that, uh, wanted to gather together to talk about these things. And so, um, it is actually not through Sparrow, uh, but it was kind of a catalyst. So, uh, racial reconciliation has always been a value of ours. Um, from the beginning, five years ago, it's something that we realized, uh, on the UNT campus that a lot of the organizations were uh, very segregated, even though UNT kind of prides itself on being all accepting, um, the organizations were very segregated. I walked on the campus. I thought, oh my gosh, this feels like the 1960s. Like, this is crazy. And so um, that's when we really started work with this. But this group that I'm a part of, it's just been a catalyst for conversation that we've had on our main stage. Um, I think it's sweet how God gives you these uh, different pockets of people to shape um, your your thought life. Um, and so t- we, we took it to the main stage. So this year, I mean, we had a discussion, uh, with Tess Clark, um, who's from seek the peace. Uh, it's a ministry that, uh, loves on refugees here in Dallas. Um, and then, uh, different, different people from different parts, um, of the country and different parts of Dallas to have this conversation. Okay. Well, how can, how can we be unified? Um, so anyway, yeah, that's, did that answer your question? I'm- yes, totally. I was just curious, you know, cause I've heard of a few, um, it's kind of like a small groups, but to chat about racial reconciliation and it's, it's women of all races and backgrounds coming together and, um, they're able to ask like really vulnerable questions. Um, I think, um, sometimes privileged people don't necessarily know what to say if they're even recognizing that they are privileged. Some people just don't even think it's real. Like you said, it, it, it's never happened to me. So it's not real, which is, um, baffling to me. But once, once someone does make the, the step to realize, okay, I have grown up with a privilege and this isn't the life experience everyone around me has, but I have questions. Like, I don't want to be rude or tactless or say something awkward, you know? And I think it's really cool. I'll get the name of those groups and put them in the show notes. And, um, I can definitely put a contact for your group if you are open in your area. Um, but I think it's amazing that women are kind of coming together to open conversation around this. And my recommendation for anyone who's listening is to read outliers. Have you ever read it? Mm -mm, No. Oh my gosh. It is so good. Um, and, and basically the guy, Malcolm Gladwell, who wrote it. Um, and he's super famous, like a very famous author. Um, he talks a lot about, um, privilege when it comes to birthdays in the baseball and hockey industries. Like, you know, 
Uh, 75% of the successful hockey players were born within a certain time that put them the biggest of their age group when they were younger and practicing. So it made them a little bit stronger and a little bit better. Um, so you see it in sports um, and it's just privilege we're not aware of. And, and his point was he came from a background where he is, um, he is partially Jamaican and his grandmother was really beautiful and really light skinned because uh, and she had a lot of favor because she was even lighter skinned there um, than her peers and got some sort of education. And that generationally compounded on each other where he's like, you know, I grew up with a normal life, but I didn't even realize the privilege I had because of generations of favor and privilege because of X, Y, Z. Um, and it is truly fascinating because I think it opens a conversation for everyone mm-hmm. to be able to see, oh, I've had these privileges that I just thought were normal, but they're actually not. And some people don't get this. And how do I empower people who haven't had generations of privilege? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really good read. That's a good, that's good. What was that called again? Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Another book that's really great. Um, if you want to kind of think through a lot of this is Oneness Embraced um, by Tony Evans. He has done a fabulous job of um, just working through this issue in particular. Um, I just, I mean, there's a lot of great resources out there, but uh, we're what we're hoping to do at Sparrow Conference. This is coming out at some point. We would we hope to have some sort of curriculum for you to gather uh, together as as friendship, like as friends, and talk through some of these things. I think um, what we have to be so careful of is. Um, desiring racial reconciliation, but going out there and not being friends with these women uh, first and foremost. So um, I would never recommend just going out and finding a couple of girls that don't look like you, but you not really knowing them. Um, I think if you want to start somewhere, sit down with a woman who does not look like you and, and just get to know her. You don't have to necessarily talk about um, the issues, but get to get to know her, um, build respect and trust there, and then dive into the issues because um, I just think it's really important. That trust factor is so important. And I have seen um, just some of these groups uh, not go well um, because of just maybe a lack of um, trust or a lack of um, humility Um and you have those; those things have to be there um, in in order to really talk about um, these hard, hard things. So, anyway, that's just my two cents. But um, awesome! I'll, I I totally agree because you don't want you're not going to make a true impact if you're like I'm going to show up for you know the next event or the next March, but I have no real relationships with anyone that uh, looks differently than me. You know, it starts out of real, true, authentic relationship. And so, yeah, I'm totally with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very cool. So I know that we have just a little bit more time because, you know, I, I started a little late, but um, I would love kind of to hear your advice on how does someone get started? Because, you know, it, it sounds like you started 
and took small steps to something that turned out to be really big. Um, but you started and were faithful when it was in your living room. So what's your recommendation for someone who wants to launch their dream or is kind of right in the middle of the mundane steps of it? You know, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, I think our culture is kind of hung up on, um, you know, with social media and everything, we have to have it now. We have to have it now, you know, Um, the big thing has to happen now or tomorrow, but very soon. Um, And I think if you can wait on the Lord um, and I honestly, I'll, I need to be honest here. I, there was a time in my life where I thought, what has to be this way? This is how you accomplish. This is my goal. And this is how you accomplish it. And so I did work toward that goal so much so that it was in my own, it was with my own strength. Right. And so I guess my encouragement would be, um, to wait on the Lord, (laughs) which sounds terrible because you're like, I don't want to wait, but truly, It's so much better and sweeter when you know that God is the author of it because it takes the pressure off of you. And um, I think we live in a high pressure, high anxiety uh, society and bigger is better and more, more, more. And you're not successful unless you have this many followers or this many things or this many, you know, gosh, uh, this many attendees. Um, when in reality, um, God doesn't view success that way. And so he's asked you to be faithful. He's asked you to, yeah, take small steps and then maybe wait and then take another step and then, and then maybe start all over. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, okay. So down here in Texas, y'all, uh, (laughs) Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're a big deal, right? Fixer up. Um, and so, uh, I was reading her book and, uh, she talks about how she started a shop, a design shop, um, in her book, she starts this shop and, uh, she realizes that she, because of her family and because, you know, all these things, God was asking her to shut it down, this small shop she had. So she closes it down and she waits and she's faithful right where she's planted And then God opens a door and she opens a shop again. And then it turns into this massive fixer upper magnolia extravaganza. And what I love about it is that she just was faithful. You know, she, she was willing to be open-handed that it wasn't going to look like what she wanted it to look like. It wasn't going to do, it wasn't going to be in her timing, but it was going to be in God's timing. And so we can rest in that, right? We can rest in, okay, God knows. And so um, I still, there are still, so because I'm a dreamer, there are still things that I want to see happen. Um, there are projects that I desperately want to work on. But I've realized, even this morning, I went to an accountability group, my prayer group, meets on Friday mornings in the summer. And I was telling them about this opportunity that I had. And they were very quick, like good friends are, to look at me and be like, but that's not in that's not in what you had said you wanted. So for example, I'm sorry, let me back up. I have these buckets right now that I feel like, okay, God's called me to my family. He's called me to my church. 
and he's called me to Sparrow Conference. And right now, if it doesn't fit in those boxes or those buckets, then I can't, I can't move forward because that's the bandwidth and that's what God's put in front of me right now. And so they were very quick to say, <laughs> that doesn't fit in your bucket. So, and uh, get some people around you that'll tell you the truth. Okay. Can I get a oh, yeah for that? Like, just yes. Amen. Tell you the truth. And so anyway, they were very quick to say that's not in your bucket. And so it was freeing because I was like, oh yeah. Okay. So now I'm freed up and I can wait on God in those things. But I think when you're wanting to start up something and you and you have this dream, this itch, and you cannot get rid of it. I mean, it is like crawling at you day in and day out. Ask God for one step, one step. What does it look like for that one step? And then chances are you take that one step and then he'll give you vision for the next step. And sometimes it looks like a day can look like, or sorry, like a year can look like 10 steps down the road. And that's a beautiful thing. But sometimes we have to be okay with the one or two steps um, because that's being faithful too. Um, And so I just think about all these women that are um, young moms maybe at home or um, maybe (laughs) I have a lot of young women actually through Sparrow that I have gotten to know that they are, um, they have to have full-time jobs. They don't like their full-time jobs, but man, it's, it, it pays the bills, but they have these other dreams on the side. And, um, I think there, there are moments where God probably will call you to maybe quit your job and move on with this dream. But there are other moments and these are the harder ones where you stay in that job and you do your dream on the side and it grows slowly, but it grows um, beautifully, you know? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I don't, that, that's kind of my, my two cents, which is not, you know, the most popular idea is to wait on the Lord and take one step at a time. But that is where I've probably had the most struggle. And um, I'm one of those people like we're, where uh, I want to redecorate all the time. I used to, <laughs> I used to have a design company and uh, I love to like move furniture, redecorate. And I want it all done all, all at one time, you know? Yes. Um, but it's sweeter when over time you can collect the pieces that you really, really want. And, um, or maybe you have to go hunting for the pieces. So I'm a, also I'm a junker. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I love finding like the most random stuff in the most random places and putting it in my house is like, oh, where'd you get that? And I'm like this random like place in Tyler, Texas where, you know, whatever, these unique pieces. But it's so much sweeter when you when you go on the hunt and you wait and then maybe you redo something and and the, the finished product is beautiful. Does that make sense? Hey, I needed that little home decor piece for right now because I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I want to do it all right now. And I think that is also when it comes to business. I mean, if you look at huge ministries, I mean, often they were kind of on the radar for 10 years before you really started hearing about them. And they were faithful while nothing no fame, no notoriety. They were faithful with the small things. And I, I think too, God teaches me often a lot about stewardship. So being faithful while this is small and him trusting, um, trusting me with the next step. Absolutely. Yes. So 
I'm with you. And I loved Chip and Joanna Gaines books. So their books so much. And I heard he's coming out with one too. So that's fun. Fun? That's yeah. Fun. I think it's supposed to be called Capital Gaines. <laughs> <laughs> that's so say like, um, just, just a tip for your fixer upper needs, but, um, they have, you know, their rug line and their pillow line and oh. they have all of them at Pier One and Bed Bath & Beyond. And I just, I die over all their stuff. I'm like, I need it all. Um, I need, I need to look. You need to go look. It's, it's really cool stuff. You know, she does a lot of like that, uh, woven wool and stuff. Like oh that. yes, she does. Almost looks bohemian. Yeah. I'm going to lose my mind over her stuff. I love her. Yes. One day she'll be on the Radiant podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I know my, I, I'll come home and my husband's been watching like five episodes. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> so uh, we, we love them. But yeah, their book was incredible. And I, I just love what you had to say about one step at a time. Like, and, and I get it. I'm there. I mean, I, I have my other personal business stuff that um, really funds my dreams with Radiant. So uh, being fully transparent, you know, people often all the time are like, wow, how did you get Radiant to where it is? And I'm like, well, I mean, it is substantial and it's amazing, but I'm still paying for it, you know? And I think that it's because of my job that I'm able to have Radiant. And I'm really thankful that I, I do have an income that allows me to invest financially into my dreams. And so I think that's the kindness of God to give me a job during this season of getting it off the ground. So, and it's so much sweeter along the way, I think, um, having to work really hard but it, it's it's like it's a commitment and I think so many times we want to just snap our fingers and have it right in front of us but man is it so much sweeter when you've worked and you've toiled and you have cried so many tears <laughs> um but I'll tell you uh, this past year at the conference we had um just some that had experienced really, really difficult things. Um, we, we say we want our conference to be raw and, um, real and, and like I said, vulnerable. And so we get girls that are coming in. Um, we had, uh, you know, that, that don't have homes that are homeless mm -hmm. detoxing. And we have them with the SMU sorority girl and the young professional and the teen mom. And we have, we have all of that array of, um, of women. And so I will say when I see those women sitting in those seats all together and they are studying the scriptures and you see those aha moments happen and you know, the week before I have had tears and I have toiled and I have, you know, you have those moments of like, okay, are what, what we're doing is this, is this. Is it going to go anywhere? Does it matter? Or um, is God really in this? Um, you have those kind of shocking moments. And I know that sounds crazy, but you have to be real with it. Everybody has those moments. I don't care. Oh, you yeah. You have those moments, right? If you've started anything, you have those moments. And so I typically have those moments <laughs> right before the conference. And, um, but to see those women sitting in those seats, I tell you what, I'm like, Lord, this could only have been you because... I would have messed this thing up. And so I'm so glad I waited. I'm so glad I worked hard. I'm so glad that, um, that God, you're moving in and through this thing. And it's not about me. It's about 
God's master plan in this whole thing. So anyway, uh, Rachel, I could chat with you all day long. I'm just so glad you've got to join me and that I get to know you and watch um, your heart for women unfold through Sparrow. Um, before you go, do you have any resources that you love? Any podcasts, any books, um, any sermons that you're just like, if I could get this in everyone's hands, I totally would. <laughs> Goodness, let me think. Um, okay, so right now, I'm just going to go with what I'm doing right now, like in my study. Um, I love... Uh, Right now I'm studying the book of First John. So that's that's over here. But the other thing that I'm reading right now is Humble Roots. Um, Humble Roots is a book. Okay, here's what's funny. I had a friend that recommended it to me and I thought, oh great, okay. Well, you know when you know when friends really like uh, they must be serious about you reading this book because they drop it off or they give it to you as a gift. And they're like, no, seriously, you need to read this book. Um, but what I thought it was about was, um, you know, humility. I could gather that much from the, the book cover, you know, but I opened the first page and it talks about, (laughs) anxiety. And anxiety is something that I struggle with. And, um, and so I start reading it and it talks about how, um, anxiety is rooted in a problem with our humility. And I thought, what? That is not what I would have equated it to, but I tell you what the author, and I'm totally blanking on her name right now, humble roots. You can find it on Amazon. Um, Anyway, she talks about the link between our anxiety and our humility before the Lord. And (laughs) it's wrecked me. It's been so good. So right now I'm on a humble roots kick. Um, So uh, that's what I would recommend to people. Ooh, I'm going to have, I'm putting that on my list. And man, Rachel, it has been such a joy to have you. Where can everyone find you? Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram. So I'm terrible at Facebook. Don't follow me on Facebook. Okay. (laughs) But Instagram is my main, um, social network Avenue. So it's rachel.r.joy. And, um, you can find me there or, um, at Sparrow Conference. Um, we would love for you to check out Sparrow Conference, uh, sparrowconference.com. And, um, we are, our next conference is April 13th and 14th here in Dallas. And we are going to be at the music hall at fair park. So we would love for anybody and everybody to come on in, fly on in and um, hear from our incredible speakers on the book of first John. I am so excited and I'm hoping that I'll get to be there as well. And um, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so fun to chat with you. I feel like we just are fast friends. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.